Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning. Hey, Julica. Hey, Amy, Barrington, Seth. Oh my goodness. It is so good to be with you all this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Doing good. I'm a little too excited. You're a little too excited? I am, I am perhaps a little too excited. I've been like vibrating with energy all morning. And if you could see me, you could see that I'm like shaking. Um, <laughs> I did wake up at six, just bright-eyed, and I've been busting at the same moment. <laughs> I can tell I'm going to be blushing a lot. It's just because I'm happy. <laughs> it's all good. It's all. You know what? On Zoom, nobody can tell you're blushing. It is, it is so wonderful to be with you all. Um, you know, generally when we're starting when we're starting our worship service, we have a little bit of time to kind of chat and uh, really sort of get ourselves settled and. Um, you know, what, I, what I'd love to do as we're, as we're arriving here is actually invite each of you to uh, just say a couple of words um, in, in terms of introducing yourself to the congregation. There will be many, many more opportunities. This is really just the beginning of us all um, getting to know you, getting to know each other. But uh, I'd love to invite you to uh, introduce yourselves. And um, since Zoom is a little awkward and we can't really see each other and don't know who is going to talk, why don't we go in alphabetical order by first name? Sorry, Amy. Always on the spot. <laughs> you and me, you and me. <laughs> yeah, you got me this time though. Uh, hello everyone, my name is Amy K. Bryant and I am uh, an actor, performer here in the Twin Cities, um, teaching artist, and I am going to be the artist in residence for First Universalist for the next almost year. So I'll be doing a lot of singing and storytelling and whatever else spirit moves me to do or I'm instructed or asked to do. <laughs> Not just spirit. <laughs> Voluntold. Voluntold. It's an important world, word in the church world. Thanks, Amy. We're really glad you're here. Barrington, can I hand it over to you? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Barrington Lloyd Walker, Jr. I am the intern at First Universalist for this year. Currently, I am in New York City. And I am looking forward to being with you all in person very soon. I'm very glad to be here. And I'm excited to do all of the ministry work we'll be doing this year. We are so excited to have you with us, Barrington. Um, Julica, do you want to say a couple words of introduction? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm Julica Herman de la Fuente. I am your new director of anti-racism and anti-oppression ministries. I am very excited about that. I currently live in Williamston, Michigan, just outside of Lansing. And like Barrington, I look forward to the day when we're doing this work together in person. But I'm also excited about how the disruption of the pandemic is also going to help us disrupt other parts of the status quo and make some really good change. And I'm looking forward to meeting all of you and starting to join you at meetings and things. Um, my first coffee hour is today. I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much, Julica. We, we are excited to have you. And um, 
You know, Seth, I wonder, I mean, you're already famous in, in uh, the congregation, but I wonder if you want to say just a word uh, since we're all introducing ourselves this morning. I would be happy to. My name is Seth Matz. I'm the Young Children's Program Coordinator here at First Universalist, which means I work with our tiniest congregants, our nursery through first graders, as well as our, our older children and our youth. Of course, we all work together. So um, I'm very excited to be joining Arif as your co-leader with our worship today, um, trying on some new hats and really looking forward to being with you all. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Seth. So I got a, I, I have a, I have a confession to make. Um, it's not really a confession. This is not a, a shock or a surprise. But when I told my kids that I was leading worship with you, I got nothing but oh, no fair. How come you get to work with Seth? <laughs> so you I are... have a vision one day of me and your children doing a three-person version of Godspell all together. <laughs> I, suspect it could I suspect it could happen. Uh, I want in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll make it a four person. And Amy's looking at us like she wants in too, so maybe it's a five person. Sounds we'll good. Honestly, a full cast is exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> it is so great to be with you all this morning. What do you say we, we get, this, uh, get this worship service started here? Yeah? All right. So I'm going to switch over and make sure that I have my, uh, you know, my words of welcome as I am welcoming all of you in. Good morning. I am Arif Mamdani. I am the Director of Membership and adult ministries here at First Universalist. And I am so glad that you are with us this morning. Welcome. Friends, I wanna tell you a story. And this story is a true story. It's a story about a little boy and his mother sprinting through the subway station. Now, if you've ever been in a subway station, you know exactly the pace I'm talking about. <laughs> the subway station is ridiculous. Everybody is in a mad dash to wherever it is they're going. But if you can stop and notice, sometimes you may find a little magic down there too. So this little boy held his mother's hand as she swept him through the subway station in hot pursuit of their train home. And the little boy only came up to his mother's hips. So the rush of the station was just a tornado of grown-up legs and briefcases and coattails. And as they flew through the station, suddenly, the little boy heard a sound. It was an amazing sound. A beautiful sound. It was music. Right there in that frantic subway station. The music got louder and louder as they moved and the little boy got more and more curious. Mom! The little boy said, do you hear that music? The music got louder still. The little boy knew they were getting closer to its source, but his mother couldn't hear him over the roar of the trains. Mom! He said, where is that music coming from? Can we stop? I want to listen! Their train pulled up in front of them, and as they got to their stop, they budged through the crowd as they formed a line up to the train door. He knew this was his last chance. Mom, stop, please. I want to listen to the music. But she didn't hear him. They filed into the train and rushed toward a place to sit. In the silence of the train car, the boy said again, Mom, didn't you hear the music? Why don't we stop to listen? His mom just finally caught her breath after all that running through the station. She said, I'm sorry, honey. We just didn't have time. We had to keep moving to catch the train home. 
The little boy sighed, disappointed, looked out the train window. But just as the train was pulling away, for just one second, he caught a glimpse of a man wearing a blue baseball cap playing the violin. So then they arrived home. The little boy sat at their dining room table and his mother began fixing dinner and turned on the radio to listen to the evening news. And the little boy heard something very interesting. That afternoon, internationally renowned concert violinist Joshua Bell went underground and undercover. Masquerading as a street musician, Bell visited L'Enfant Plaza Metro Station in Washington, D.C. with nothing but his instrument and a blue baseball cap, playing a 45-minute set with his case on the ground before him. The experiment was captured on hidden videotape, and of the 1,097 people who walked past him, only seven people stopped to listen. He received just over $32 from passersby, a mere fraction of the ticket price of his Kennedy Center recital just three days ago. Back to you, Seth. The boy's mother turned from her work at the stove and her jaw hit the floor. The little boy rolled his eyes and shook his head in disbelief. If only they had stopped to notice the music that surrounded them they could have had the opportunity of a lifetime. Friends, if you caught the description for this service, you know that the space that I'm inviting us, that we're inviting us to hang out in today, is the space of poetry and presence. And in the interest of transparency, I am making a, a special pitch this morning to anyone who can write, who can count, and knows what a syllable is to write and share some poetry this week, maybe even during the service. So if you are one of the young ones in the congregation, or if you have a young one near you, you might want to pay special attention. You might want to invite that young one to space pay special attention this morning, because this invitation in some ways is particularly for you. I was, I was thinking about you all as this message was, was making its way out of me and onto the page. So I want to invite you to grab some paper, grab something to write with, maybe grab your cell phone or, you know, have your, have your grown up grab their cell phone. Uh, in case we want to do a little social media sharing of the poetry that we write, we'll be inviting you to do that. And here are the poetic forms I want to invite you to play with this morning and in the days to come. Haiku, American sentences, and decas. Now, if we were all in the same space, right now is when I would ask, who can tell me what a haiku is? And if I did that, it's quite likely that someone, maybe even you, would say, Arif, it's a poetic form that originated in Japan, characterized by a cutting word, a seasonal reference, and it takes the form of three lines with a 575 syllable pattern. Which would tell us that you really know what a haiku is and that you maybe have Wikipedia downloaded into your brain. And if I said, can you tell me what American sentences are? 
Someone, maybe even you, might say, Arif, American sentences are a poetic form developed by Allen Ginsberg, who was drawn to the form of haiku, but felt it didn't reflect the way the English language worked structurally. And so he developed the form to consist of 17 syllables, same as haiku, but without the constraint of being a certain number of lines. In fact, usually, American sentences are, in fact, just a single line, a sentence. Yeah. And then I might say, does anyone know what decas is? And probably most of you, maybe all of you, would shake your head and maybe think deca what? And then I would say that decas is a poetic form invented by Rachel Bagby. Rachel is a, she is a, an activist, a facilitator, a poet, a musician. She is a genius. And she developed this poetic form called decas and she calls it wisdom jazz for the mind. It consists of three lines, 10 syllables, two on the first line, three on the second, and five on the third. And importantly, Rachel says that it is not a Decca's poem until it is spoken out loud. So with those forms in mind, if you feel moved now through the rest of the service later this week, whenever really, I invite you to work with, to play with one of these forms. What I often like to do is to grab a moment, a moment that's happening in the world, a moment that's happening in my heart, really a moment that's happening at the intersection and the interplay of both of those. I like to grab that moment and write a haiku an American sentence, and a Decca's poem, all about the same moment. What I find is that working with each of these invites me, it invites me to pay more attention in some of the ways that Seth invited us to as we were praying together. It invites me to go deeper into the moment and it invites me to go deeper into my experience of the moment and what is, what is true for me. And if you choose to do this, if you choose to work with one of these three or all three, I invite you to share your poetry with us. If you write it now during the rest of this service, feel free to, um, to type it into the chat box during the, the rest of the service and also whether you write it now and put it in the chat box or work with one of these forms later in the week, I invite you to take a photo and to share it on social media or have your grown up share it for you. Um, and, and if you can do that, uh, make sure that you uh, tag First Universalist. Um, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram. And uh, I believe that we are um, inviting folks to use the hashtag first you poetry. And so what that will do is it will make it possible for all of us to see and to share in the poems that you create and the words that you create and the way that you are experiencing the moment that you chose to share with us. But why poetry, right? And, and why these forms? So here's the deal, all right? Poetry, for a lot of us, has a bad rap, 
right? Too often it is some like big and heady and super deep and hard to understand and big words and, and all that, right? It's for people who aren't us. That's often the message that, that is conveyed about poetry, right? Uh-uh. I totally disagree with that. Poetry and especially these forms are here to help us pay attention. They are here for all of us. Allen Ginsberg said that a poet is someone who notices what they notice. It's all a poet is. A poet is someone who notices what they notice. And like the kid in Seth's story, who noticed the beautiful music floating through the subway, who said, stop, listen. These forms invite us to stop to listen and to pay attention with our hearts. These are our tools and we need them. We need them. Our theme right now is here we are. Here we are. But where is that? Where is that? When I hear the phrase, here we are, my heart wonders where, or why, or how do we get here? Or 145 days and counting since the pandemic started for us, since we started wearing masks all over the place and working to stay six feet apart, some of us might wonder, are we there yet? Are we there yet? But here and there are funny words, aren't they? Here we are might mean that we're already there, right? It's what we say when we arrive somewhere. Here we are. But it also might invite us to look for where we're going, for what's in our future. Be that a COVID-19 vaccine, a return to being in each other's company, or a world without police or prisons, a world where many, many, many more of us are living and breathing and being beloved community in ourselves and with each other. Here we are. Are we there yet? Friends, when I hear the words, here we are, what I hear is a call to presence, a call to purpose, a call to perceiving what is and asking, where are we? What do we do here, now? What I hear, what I perceive, what I experience, what I feel is a call to poetry. Now, I need to tell you that I am a terrible poet, like really the worst. And one of the very worst things that can happen to a bad poet like me is winning something for their poetry, which happened to me once upon a time, years and years and years ago, when as a kid, like maybe nine years old, I think, I won baseball tickets for a poem that I wrote. True story, Chicago White Sox, they lost. Or as a Decca's poem, my poem won a prize. Now I think I'm a poet. The beauty of this 
is that while I may be far from the best poet around, have you all heard that phrase, dance like no one's watching? Well, that's how I write poetry. I write poetry like no one's watching and no one is going to read it. Here we are. Where I'm inviting you to hang out, where we are inviting you to hang out right now is right here. Right here. I think that's what here we are says, and I think that poetry can help us get there. But let's be real. This is hard. Where we are right now, right this minute, it kind of stinks. So many of us have gone so long without the people and the experiences that we love. Hugs, holding someone's hand, just being closer than six feet apart from other human beings and not having it be awkward or worrisome. And so many of us are looking at the start of a school year that is just not what we want it to be. For so many of us, teachers, kids, grown-ups with school-age kids that you love, this is not how we imagined the school year to be. And so many of us feel the fall creeping in. We look to the winter ahead with some concern. This is not, this is not what we wanted. And so many of us are seeing the politicization of basic science, even with and in our families. Where we are right now kind of stinks in some ways. And as we said a couple weeks ago, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no, we have to go through it. And here's perhaps where poetry might save us just a little. I want to share two things with you now. One is something I saw recently, a quote that Bell Hooks said, and the other is a poem that has been haunting me these last weeks. Bell Hooks said, to be truly visionary, we have to root our imagination in our concrete reality while simultaneously imagining possibilities beyond that reality. To be truly visionary, we have to root our imagination in our concrete reality while simultaneously imagining possibilities beyond that reality. And the poem, Feather at Midday is what it's called. If I had not stopped to watch a feather flying by, I would not have seen its landing, a tiny, pure, white feather. Gently, I blew a soft breath to send it back to the spring. If I had not looked up to watch the feather gliding over the roof, I would not have seen the crescent moon hanging at midday. We have to root our imagination here and now in our concrete reality. Roots hold me close. 
We need to do that while we write and share and imagine together possibilities beyond that reality. Wings set me free. And so that brings us back to where we started. Haiku, American Sentences, and Dekas. What I love about these poetic forms is that they enforce a set of constraints. They limit what we can do. They create lines that we have to stay in. 17 syllables, that's all you got, or less, 10 syllables. Six feet apart. 25 or 15 or 10 people or fewer. We are all getting and will be getting a lot more practice working within a set of constraints. And friends, we need to be right where we are, rooted in this concrete reality so that together we can imagine and create the future that exists in our hearts. I am grateful to be in this space with you. And I am excited to see the future that we write together. May it be so, and amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.